share with you this morning the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Growing up going to a Christian school, we had to take this infernal class called Bible memory. And every now and then, they would let us pick our own verse. It didn't take long for half the class to find Jesus wept. I want to give a challenge to some of you here today who balk at our memory challenges at Fellowship of Faith and tell me things like, I'm too old to remember or my mind just doesn't retain anymore. I want you to close your eyes. Would you do this for me? Just close your eyes. And I want you to hear something. Jesus wept. No, I want you to keep your eyes closed. No, I'd like you to say it back to me. Amazing, guys. You just memorized a verse of the Bible. All right, way to go. Watch this. It gets more exciting. We can add to it by 50%. Jesus wept a lot. All right? Right? See, and you just keep building from there. This is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And I want to talk to you today about what makes Jesus weep. What is it that breaks his heart? It's not what a lot of people think. Surprisingly, despite what he had to suffer and endure, Jesus does not weep for himself. He doesn't weep for his pain. He doesn't weep for his lot in life. And he had plenty of chance. I think of the way he resolutely set out for Jerusalem, seeing it as his mission, going there full well knowing that despite on a day like today, people are waving palms and proclaiming him king and lifting him up on the shoulders and carrying him around like he's God's gift, knowing full well that four or five days later, he's nailed to a tree. He went there full well knowing, and you catch none of this, none of this, what was me? None of this, why me? None of this, why could God let this happen to me? Doesn't do it. Does not weep over his own situation or misfortune. Nor does he when it gets really intense. There's this amazing scene described in the Bible where where Jesus has just celebrated the Passover meal. This is Thursday night. The final meal with his disciples. And he knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows this is the night when it all goes down. There's this amazing scene where he goes off to this favorite place, this quiet place. Do you have a place like that, a favorite place, a quiet place, a place you can just go and get away and be alone and know that you're safe and grab a few precious moments for what you have to face? Jesus had this kind of place. It was a little garden, a little garden on a hillside called the Mount of Olives. And the scene shows Jesus sitting there that night And the anxiety is ratcheting 
up. The pressure is ratcheting up. It's coming full board before him. This is the night, the fears, the doubts. The, the scripture writers will even describe it, that he was, he was sweating. He was sweating with the fear and the doubts about what he was about to take, so much so that he even started to sweat drops of blood. And he's praying, God, spare me from this. Take this from me. I don't want this. I don't want this. But not my will, but yours be done. He goes there that night in the thick of it, knowing full well what's to take place. With fear and doubt and everything rising, but no tears. No tears for himself and what he knows he has to face. And it goes on from there. This week, later this week, we'll be telling the story of Jesus' arrest and Jesus' crucifixion, crucifixion and exactly what he had to endure. But even in the midst of it, in, in the midst of the injustice of it, the false accusations and the lies, in the midst of the mockery, the spit and the fists and the whips, you don't see him shedding tears. Jesus does not weep. They beat him so bad he can hardly stand. And then they throw a cross on his back and they say, walk. Do the parade route. Let's cheer for the king. Wave your palms, guys. And it says behind him that women are following him and they're wailing and they're mourning. And listen to what Jesus says. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the barren women. Those that have never given birth. And that day they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and the hills cover us. Because if men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? If people do these things when I come bringing a message of peace, in other words, what will happen when Rome comes with the sword? Don't weep for me as he goes to his death. Weep for yourselves. Even when Jesus is hanging on the cross... Suffering, what humanity has devised, is arguably the most horrific form of slow execution imaginable. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No, there was plenty of chance. Plenty of chance for Jesus to weep over himself. But you see, none of that. He doesn't do it. So what does make Jesus weep? What does break Jesus' heart? It's the same thing that makes a lot of us weep too. It's when he loses someone close and important to him. The context of this verse right here is just after Jesus 
lost. One of his dearest, closest friends. I think of those old hymns like, what, we, what a friend we have in Jesus, you know, you remember that one? And, and kind of just walk around with this kind of attitude that, of course, Jesus is friends with everyone. But isn't it odd to think that Jesus actually had, like, friends the way that you and I, I mean, what's it like to watch football at Jesus' house, right? I mean, what, what does that look like to be friends with Jesus? More wine, make more wine, right? <laughs> it's a man named Lazarus. Lazarus, I mean, Lazarus and Jesus are like this. This was the guy he would confide in. You almost get the sense of like a father figure, if you will. His sisters were close with Jesus. It was the whole family. They did life together. They found safety with each other. They were the people that they could tell anything to each other. Because when you're Jesus, you can't just go up to anyone and say, you know, I'm having doubts about this Jerusalem thing. But Lazarus... You better believe it. And then the word comes out. Lazarus is sick. And I don't mean that everyday, ordinary kind of sick. I mean sick. That scary kind of sick. You know that kind of sick that leaves you in that place unsure of what's going to happen. It leaves you in that place of waiting against your control victimized by time, counting the moments, going, how is this going to turn? And they start to urge him, Jesus, we should go back to this place. Jesus, you're a healer. Jesus, go back there. The problem is they want him dead. They want him dead where Lazarus is at. And Jesus decides to step back to see how things play out and let it go its way. The word comes down, he's getting worse. He turns to his disciples and he goes, are you in? Back into the lion's den? His one companion, Thomas, goes, let's all go die together. And they go back to Bethany that day. But it's too late. It took him. Lazarus was gone. Lazarus is dead. And have you ever had those moments when you lose someone important to you? Someone close to you, but you're not yet there to see them. But you get the word. Your buddy gets on the phone. Your mom gives you a call. Your sister tells you, Dad's gone or whoever it might be, and it comes through, and then you have that first moment. And those of you who have been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you finally see your other friends who are also close with that person, and you see them face-to-face with the tears in their eyes, the specter that's hanging there, you know what I mean? It can't help but shake you. It moves you, doesn't it? Despite your strength, despite your resolve, Despite the deep breaths, seeing those you love weep for the person you've loved and lost, it shakes you. And the Bible says in John 11 how Jesus comes and he sees Mary and he sees Martha and he sees the people gathered and it moves him. And then it comes time 
I need to go to the tomb. And he goes to the graveside of his dear friend Lazarus. After experiencing the mourning of those around and wrap your mind around this, knowing he could have done something about it. And he stands there. And in the most understated verse of the Bible, John writes, Jesus wept. What makes Jesus weep? Losing those whom he dearly loves. Losing those who are important to him. It's not the only time this verse pops up. It's the only time it pops up in two words as a self-contained verse. But it's not the only time Jesus weeping is recorded. I want to share with you another this morning. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. This caught me by surprise. Have you ever realized this? We gather on a day like Palm Sunday trying to recreate what it was like for the city. But do we ever pause to ask, what was it like for Jesus internally? Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and the place is on fire. I mean, this place is alive. It's Mardi Gras meets Fourth of July. People are cheering. People are shouting. People are waving palms. People are throwing their cloaks on the road. People are, oh, Jesus, you're the best. I mean, it's, it's, it's rock star time. Listen to how this plays out. Do you remember what I read coming in here today? Let me pick it up. It says this. When he came near the place where the road goes to the Mount of Olives, seated on the donkey's colt, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they have seen. And they started saying things like this. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the Pharisees and the crowd said to Jesus, we know the line, teacher, rebuke your disciples. To which Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The very next verse, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in. They will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. It's Palm Sunday, and the people are cheering, and Jesus weeps. Why? Because he knew that he had lost them. 
Despite coming to die for them, he knew that he had lost these people who were so dearly loved to him and so important to him. And for me, this becomes a a sober warning on a day like today. It becomes a sober warning because he can lose us too. Or maybe better put, we can walk away and reject him just like Israel did. Guys, it is so easy to wave palms and cheer Hosanna and sing his praises when he thinks, when we think he's on our side. But what happens when you realize you might not be on his? It's not the only time Jesus expresses things like this. There's this passage earlier in Luke where he says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you're not willing. Do you hear the emotion in this? Look, your house is left desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus weeps because he knew that they were lost too. That God loves us so deeply. His care and compassion is so overwhelming and so without bounds. How must he weep? When we walk away from him, how must he weep when we determine a course of like them not being willing, dead set on a path towards destruction and despair and hell? Jesus weeps as people walk from him. He weeps when we walk from him and turn away. It breaks his heart because he is losing someone so dearly loved and so important to him. I imagine in my mind it's like a parent watching a child just filled with hate and rebellion and contempt from top to bottom, dead set on defiance on a path of destruction, weeping over what you know is coming and their unwillingness to change their way or change their heart. I was talking to someone here at Fellowship of Faith recently who attended this, um, this marriage seminar called Weekend to Remember. And she shared a stat with me that over 90% of people who found themselves in prison 
have said they heard from their mom beforehand, you're going to end up in jail someday. How does a parent like that weep? Palm Sunday to truly capture the essence of what it is to Jesus is to come face to face with this. And proclaiming him king and shouting his praises and crying Hosanna with words like, Lord, save us, Lord, grant us success. Turning on bended knee. Repenting before him. Today is fundamentally a day of repentance. And hear me today. Turn to him. Turn to Jesus today. Today.